Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Craig, if you don't know me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, first week in December, we are launching, kicking off a series that's going to go all the way through this amazing month called Tis the Season. Are you excited? Come on, it's the season. Christmas season, let's go. I love it. I love Christmas. I love putting up lights and everything. And uh, you know what? We just want to remind you that we have a 505 going on on Sunday nights, 505 p.m. gathering going on Sunday nights. So even more opportunity to be here, more opportunity to invite maybe a friend. We want to encourage you to be here all throughout the month because this series is really going to lead us up to um, what I think the Lord has planned over the, the Christmas weekend. So it's going to be great. So I just want to invite you guys to all be a part of it. I'm going to jump in. Um, we're going to read a few scriptures this morning. And uh, if, you're, if you're going to take notes or you care, the title of this message, um, just in line with the season, is Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be alone. Tis the season to be jolly. Good. I wanted to make sure we didn't have a church full of Grinches in here. Christmas, come on. All right, we're going we're gonna to read some. Um, everybody say, I like the Bible. Okay, it's good for you. We're going to read a couple passages that you might not like, but you like it. Okay? We're going to read in Matthew 7, and then we're going to read in Revelation 2 for this message called Deck the Halls. Matthew 7, starting in verse 21, and then Revelation 2, we're going to read a couple verses at the beginning. Remember, you like the Bible, okay? Here we go. This is Jesus in Matthew 7. He says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, the one who does, the one who does, look at your neighbor and say, just do it. Just do it. There's action to this. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, on that day, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's heavy. I know it's a little heavy for a Christmas sermon, huh? But it's going to get good. Don't worry. Turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. If you hang it right and go to the last book in the Bible, you'll find it. We're going to read a few more scriptures. This is an apocalyptic vision that God gave to the Apostle John as he's on the island of Patmos. And this first three chapters is sort of these messages to churches that were actually existing at the time. And then like much of Revelation... Uh, 
sort of this vision about what's going to happen at some point in history, and there's much debate about when and where and how and all that. But for this uh, particular case, we know that, that what's being expressed right here was Jesus, the Lord's heart towards this particular church, and surely the truth that is extended towards them is the same truth that would be extended to all churches throughout history. And this is what he says to a particular church, the church that was in Ephesus. And it says this, to the angel of the church that's in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. So basically, God is telling John to write to the church in Ephesus to express to them that Jesus says this, okay? This is what Jesus says to them. I know your works. I know your toil and your patient endurance and how you, you cannot bear with those who are evil, how you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Good job. You're doing well. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned your first love or abandoned the love that you had at first. So I think we should pray because a couple of those are about the scariest passages that you could ever preach on in the Bible. And uh, so we need the Holy Spirit to, uh, we need the Holy Spirit to lead me and to open up our ears and uh, that he would speak to us exactly what his heart is. That's always my prayer and my hope when I preach that I wouldn't just share some stories and read some scriptures and tell you my thoughts uh, it's my humble prayer that God would express to all of us his heart. So would you pray with me towards that end? Lord, we, we're so thankful for your presence and just the celebration of, of worship, celebration of baptism and seeing people go down in the waters like being buried and being raised with Christ. It's, it's so amazing who you are and how you come and fill an atmosphere and feel the praises of your people and, and how you're able to speak through men and women and through your word. And we're, we're just uh, vessels uh, asking, begging even, God, that you would speak through us, that your heart will be revealed. And so that's my prayer right now, that you would speak your heart, Holy Spirit, that you would have your will done and your way done in and through me and in the hearts and the minds of every person that's hearing this, either here presently or online. Uh, God, that you would speak to us, that you would change us and transform us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's get real. Who loves Christmas? Come on. Who, who's got the decorations up already? Only half of you? Come on. Who... Who's, who, who's like the, the day after Thanksgiving, that's game day. It's like we're putting everything up, trees going up, Christmas music's going on. Is there anybody that's like a pre-Thanksgivinger in the house? Okay, I respect you. I like that. Uh, my wife did pre-Thanksgiving this year, and I was like, you know, let's do it. I'm usually, I'm usually the day after Thanksgiving sort of tradition, but I just love it. I love Christmas, everything about it. I love the decorations. I love the trees. I love the lights. I, love, I don't actually love the tinsel. Tinsel is pointless, and 
stinks. But anyway, I love all the stuff. I love presents. I, me, my, me, growing up, we would just get so excited, and and me and my little brother, uh, my brothers, we would sneak like under the stairs, and we would we would ask each other what each other got, and we would we would go over under the tree and shake the gifts, and like my family went all out. We would put like coins in the gifts, you know what I'm saying, or rocks, and you just totally try and throw people off on what they're gonna get, and it's just amazing. I love the Christmas season. Don't you love the Christmas season? Man, we just, we in our culture, we just love to celebrate. We love to decorate. We love to deck the halls. And the point of all of it is to put up the lights and the trees and the stockings and all of that in order that we might really remember the reason for the season. Isn't that why we do what we do? Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. There's so much noise and decoration, and I love it all. But it's hard sometimes uh, to really keep a heart in the reason for the season. It's hard sometimes to really focus on what it's all about. It's hard sometimes to remember that the decorations need to not become a distraction, but they need to direct us to the point of the season, which is Jesus. So here's the thing you might not know about me. I'm a, I'm a pastor full-time, which means that I'm the assistant to the regional manager for helping people learn what it is to follow Jesus. But in December, I'm also the regional trainer and director for helping people learn how to decorate their homes for Christmas. Two-part job. So if I could get Tiny Tim up here to help me. (laughs) I mean, Ralphie, come on up. This is my friend Ralphie from the Christmas story. So here's, here's the thing. Being that I have a two-part job this month, I'm going to train you all and Ralphie here not only on how to follow Jesus, but also how to truly get in the Christmas spirit because this month we need to do both. Okay? I'm going to train you on exactly what you need to do, what you need to have in line in your home and in your life in order to truly live into and buy into the Christmas season. And I'm also going to train you at the same time How to follow Jesus. Does that sound good? I could do both at the same time. So here's the deal. If you want to be a person that truly uh, gets in the Christmas spirit, then there's, if there's nothing else that you do at all, there's one thing that you, you have to do, and it's you have to put up Christmas lights, okay? Because the Christmas light, in essence, is the most important aspect of decorating for the Christmas season. And you have to put these on your house or in your house or on your tree or somewhere because here's the thing. You need everybody to know that you're into Christmas. And shining lights are the most brilliant and most important way that you can do that. Okay? You also, along with your Christmas lights, you need to wear the Santa Claus hat. Wait, never mind. That's satanic. Wait, no. If it's St. Nicholas, then you can wear it. Not Santa. So you need to wear your St. Nicholas hat. Because here's the thing. When you want to represent the Christmas season, you need to shimmer and shine for everybody to see in December when it's dark. And if you really want to follow Jesus, you need to put something on on your outward appearance so everybody knows who you represent now. You got it? You got to represent him. You got to shine for him. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) Once you got that down, next what you need to do is you need... (laughs) Let your light shine for the world to see. The next thing that you need to do is you need to make sure that you're in prayer and meditation at all times, okay? 
So you need to put on your, whatever this thing is right here, iPod something. <laughs> and you need to be listening to your Christmas music at all times from the day after Thanksgiving until Christmas Day and beyond. Okay? Now here's the thing. If you want to follow Jesus, you also need to make sure that you're listening to the Holy Spirit. So you need to make sure that you stay in tune with him at all the time. So make sure you're shining for him. Make sure you're listening to him. Make sure that you're praying to him. Okay? You got that? Okay, can we move on? You got that? Good. Next thing that you need to do is you need to be feeding yourself with an advent calendar with your daily portion of goods. Okay? Now, if you really wanted to get into the Christmas season, you need one of these and two if you're feeling really good. And what you also need to do in your faith is you need to eat of the Word of God every day. Okay? So every day, you need to eat a little bit of the Word of God. You need to do your daily Bible reading every single day. Okay? It's good for you. It's pretty good, right? Good. You want more? Good. It's <laughs> so the thing. You need to stay in your word. You need to stay in your word because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that departs from the mouth of God. So just keep, here, hold on that. Just keep eating that, okay? If you really want to get in the Christmas season, you need to put up the decoration, you need to put up the lights, you need to wear the hat, you need to, you need to have the Christmas music going on all the time, you need to eat the Advent calendar, and you need to do these things in your faith as well, okay? You need to represent him, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit, you need to pray, and you need to read your word every single day. Got it? Perfect. Got it? Perfect. Okay, so then after you're doing that, you need to make sure that you're serving, okay? You need to make sure that you're serving somewhere. And of course, during the Christmas season, you have to at least volunteer some of your time at the Salvation Army thing, okay? So make sure you grab that. Make sure that in response to all this, that you're serving in the kingdom. Make sure that you're serving in the Christmas season. Got it? And also, along with that serving, you, you need to give out, you need to be really generous, okay? I just want you to start giving these to every person that you come to, little candy canes, because you need to be giving, okay? You need to give in all the offerings that are asked of you, you make sure that you're giving your generous to all the charitable organizations, everything that everybody asks of you in this season. Got it? Got Perfect. You. Okay. Next thing that you need to do in order to really live into the Christmas season, you need to make sure and go to a lot of Christmas parties. Come on. Christmas parties. Okay, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to, this is your Pyrex for your first small group because you need to go to a small group this week, okay? Small group gathering, Christmas party this week. And then you need to go to your corporate gathering, uh, the Nutcracker. Here's your tickets to your corporate gathering this week. And then here's your Pyrex for your, for your party that you're going to go to next week. Okay? And then here's your tickets for um, the North Pole Cruise. That's going to be the, that, that week. Okay? And then here's your Pyrex for the, for the Christmas party, ugly sweater party that you're going to go to the week after that. Make sure that you bring that along with you. And then here's your tickets to the um, tree lighting ceremony. Make sure that you go to that. Make sure that you're at both the small group party and the weekend corporate gathering, okay? And then here's your Pyrex for the week of Christmas. And Grandma says she really wants the sweet potatoes in that one. And then here's your tickets to sitting on Santa's lap, okay? Because if you're really going to live in the Christmas spirit, you must be going to all of these events during the season. You must go to the parties. You must go to the corporate events. You with me so far? Make sure that you do that every single week. You need to represent Jesus on the outside. You need to be praying. You need to be reading your word. You need to be giving. You need to be serving. You need to go to all church events on the weekends and during the middle of the week. Are we good? Perfect. Okay. And then on top of all that, if you're really going to get into the Christmas spirit, you need to have a throw pillow. No, actually, you need two. No, you need at least three throw pillows. And you need tinsel. Why? 
Nobody knows why. They're seriously pointless. Like, why do we need so many throw pillows on Christmas? It's ridiculous. You need to throw a blanket. You need to throw a pillow. But if you're really going to follow Jesus, there's got to be just a few things that make no sense at all that you just do because it's weird. All right. We give Bryce a hand. Thank him. Here's the thing. It can be a little overwhelming sometimes. Can't it? Like we we do all this stuff in the Christmas season and we we decorate and we get everything right in the nativity scene and the lights and the Christmas tree and the stockings and we, we feel like we have to buy presents and presents and presents and presents and spend and give and serve and go and do and go to the party and bake the food and do all this stuff. And we, we get all into the celebration and the decorations and all this stuff. And sometimes this is what we do in the faith as well. And I'm to blame because I'm a pastor and this is what I do. This is what I teach people. I say, come on, I, I want you to be in church on the weekends and go to the corporate gathering. I want you to be a part of the small group. And I want you to represent Jesus on the outside. And I want you to be reading your Bible. And I want you to be praying and listening to the Holy Spirit and listening to the Christian music and, and all this stuff and all this stuff and all this stuff. And sometimes if we're not careful, the decorations can become more of a distraction. And apparently what we have going on in these two passages, Matthew 7 and Revelation 2, is these groups of people that were doing all of the stuff of the faith, but for some reason or another, it seems like Jesus had an issue with their action. I mean, think about this. Matthew chapter 7 might be, to me, it's the, one of the scariest passages in the entire Bible. Think about this. Jesus is saying, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to get into the kingdom of heaven. And then it goes on to describe that these people were doing not just what we would consider to be the small things in the faith. They weren't just, hey, Jesus, we went to the small group. We went to the Bible study. We did, a, we did our devotionals. No, these guys were doing what, would, what probably me and you would consider to be some of the greatest spiritual gifts, some of the greatest spiritual workings that anybody could even do in their faith. He said, they said, hey, Jesus, we were prophesying in your name. We were casting out demons in your name. We were doing many mighty works in your name. Surely our works represent our relationship with you. And he says, no. When you come to me, I'm going to have to say, I, I never knew you. Depart from me. And then there's a church in Ephesus found in Revelation chapter 2 that was also doing works. And Jesus actually in this instance compliments him a little bit. He says, he says, I see the works that you're doing. I see that you're bearing patiently. I see that you've even tested and, and discerned whether to see that people come to you with teaching and apostleship, whether they're true or false. And you have done well to discern what is true in that teaching. But this I have against you. You've abandoned your first love. In both instances, we have groups of people that were doing works. You could say that they were very decorated on the outside for everybody to see. They had the lights. They had the headphones on. They were playing the Christmas music loud. They were playing out in their action for the world to see on the outside their faith. 
But to the first group, Jesus said, I never even knew you. And to the second group, he said, I hold this against you, that amidst all of your works, you have forsaken true worship. You're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this, but you're forgetting about me. I wonder in your life, have the decorations of your faith become a distraction, or do they direct you to Christ? Now, here's the thing that's interesting to me about what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. I don't know if you caught this. But he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. You know, when we hear that, doing his will, surely there's something in us that thinks about doing these works. I mean, isn't that true? If you think about doing God's will, being a good Christian, really following Jesus, then most of us are going to think about doing these works. We're going to think about giving our life to the Lord. We're going to think about praying. We're going to think about reading our Bible. We're going to think about being involved in the community. We're going to think about giving. We're going to think about serving. We're going to think about those works in regards to doing God's will. But Jesus says he makes this contrast that he goes out of his way to say that only those that do the will of the Father is, are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, even though you were doing all of these things, even these things that most people look at and think, wow, if, they are, if, they know, if anybody knows God and follows God and is filled with the Spirit, it's these guys who are casting out demons, prophesying, and doing mighty works in his name. They were doing mighty works, but apparently they weren't doing God's will. Because Jesus says, I never knew you. You see, God's will is not primarily your works. God's will is your worship. God's will is your relationship. God's will is that you would know him in intimate relationship first. That you wouldn't forsake your first love or abandon your first love or get caught up in the distraction and the decoration of the faith. All of the things that are maybe put on you that you wouldn't get caught up in those things. I think it's amazing that Jamie quoted that passage in Ephesians chapter 2 or chapter 3, whichever one it was, where Paul's making this, this great and beautiful prayer for this church. And he says, my prayer is that you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Did you catch that? Isn't that interesting to think about? He's encouraging us that we would know the love of God that surpasses knowing. That we would know, the lo- that we would understand something that surpasses understanding. And she spoke brilliantly towards that. But I think it goes even deeper than that. It goes, it speaks towards the relationship that God has for us. That the knowing of God between us and him is an intimate relationship that even surpasses knowledge. That we would know him in a way that is so much deeper than just mental understanding, but that we would know him in intimate relationship. Don't forsake relationship for the sake of your works. All the decorations of the Christmas season, the lights and the trees and the stockings and all that, they're supposed to emphasize And point to Emmanuel, God with us. 
God with us. But it's true. We can just get caught up in it sometimes, can't we? All the, de- all the stuff, all the decorations, all the parties, and sometimes the decorations can become a distraction. It happens in our faith. We get caught up doing the stuff and going through the motions, and if we're not careful, the spiritual disciplines can become the point and distract us from the person of Jesus. I noticed this this morning, that in Revelation 2, Jesus was speaking to the church in Ephesus. And if you're around the last three weeks, we just got done with a sermon series called Sit, Walk, Stand, and it was all about the book of, or the, the church, the book of Ephesians and writing to the church of Ephesus. And if you remember, the message of the scripture is that we would first find ourselves in a place of what, the, what Ephesians calls sitting, which represents relationship with God. It represents sitting in the heavenly places, the place that we've been put spiritually with Christ. It represents being in that place of relationship and letting everything else flow from that position. And then Paul goes on to say that after you sit, you should walk it out. And he goes on to say all these things that, that we should do or not do in order to walk out and represent the relationship that we have. And in the end last weekend, we preached about standing, standing against the spiritual warfare that we're facing and standing our ground against the evil one. And I think it's amazing that the passage in Revelation 2 is a letter written to the same church. Same church. The same church that was told that you need to sit in relationship with Christ first and then you need to walk it out. And here we have some years later, Jesus through this apocalyptic vision speaking back to the same church again saying, look, I see that you're walking it out. You're doing a great job with all the commandments that I've given you. You're walking it out and you're doing well. But one thing that you have forgotten as you're walking, as you're working, as you're serving, as you're doing is you've forgotten your first love. You forgot to sit. You forgot to stay in relationship with me. That's most important. That's primary. And so here's a struggle that I have as a pastor is I want you to put the lights on. I want you to take the Pyrexes and go to the small groups. I want you to put on the headphones of the Holy Spirit and listen to him. I want you to receive your daily word and and be reading in the Bible. And I want you to give and serve. And I want you to be charitable and generous. And I actually want you to do all those things that I was just sort of making fun of. And and I encourage all those things. And those are the things that we oftentimes say, hey, you should do this. And And we put that on people. And so it's this, it's this catch between, well, are those healthy things or are they negative things? And the answer is all about your heart. You see, the truth is, all of the things that were described in this analogy are actually good things. I believe that they're good things to decorate your house and do all that stuff in the season, and it's great, as long as it doesn't become a distraction. As long as you could decorate your house and the lights and the shimmering and the tree and all this stuff, as long as that truly points to Jesus, Emmanuel, the reason for the season... And in the same way, in our faith, I want you to be doing all of those spiritual disciplines and those practices, but I don't ever want those to become the point. For all of those things are supposed to lead you to the point. If I could put it like this, all of those things are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. The end is relationship. 
The goal is relationship with God. The primary purpose of our existence is that we would be in intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father at all times. And so we read our Bible because it's God's word to us. It sustains us. His word, like we talked about last week, is is the sole offensive weapon that we have in this battle that we're in. But we need his word. I don't know if you spend time in the scriptures monthly, weekly, daily, or not. But I want you to. Not because it's a religious duty that you need to do and check off of your list. Not because you're just supposed to do it and it's become a distraction. To your, no, because it's supposed to lead you closer to the heart of God. I think sometimes people struggle with feeling like, I didn't really get anything out of that, you know, I didn't, I didn't really learn anything. And, you know, I just want to encourage you with this thought that if, if God's word is really our daily sustenance, it's, it's the thing that keeps us alive like Jesus is, then it's the same with the food that we eat. You don't remember every meal that you ever ate. You probably don't remember what you had for dinner last Tuesday, but it kept you alive. You might remember a few, you know, amazing meals that you had at that expensive restaurant here or there, but for the most part, you eat every day or you eat every week and it keeps you alive. And it's the same with the word. Whether you feel like you're getting anything out of it or remembering it or anything like that, we need to be consuming God's word because it keeps us alive. We need to be praying and listening to the Holy Spirit because we need him to transform our mind and our heart. Friends, we need to be serving. It's actually better for you that you serve. It's not for other people. It's for you. Because the way that God designed us is that as he pours his love into us, we have to pour it out of us. As he serves us, we have to serve others. As he speaks to us, he needs to speak through us. That's the way that we are created. It's good for you to serve. It's good for you to give. It's good for you to be part of community. That we would gather like this on the weekends in corporate gatherings and celebrate all that God is doing and join together in what, what baptism and what the family of faith is doing together. And it's good that you would join in small groups where people actually know you in real relationship. These are good things. These are things that we would encourage. But hear me. They're never to become the point. They are not the point in and of themselves. They are a means to the point. Relationship with God is always the point. Omar, if you would join me, I want to um, take a little bit more time this morning to just tune our hearts into God. Would you just reflect with me for a moment? Do you find that you ever show up to church and you start singing songs and then halfway through you realize you're not even really thinking about what the words that you're singing? You're just reading words on a screen and just singing them out loud and, but you're lacking the heart. Do you ever open your Bible or your Bible app on your phone and you got through a paragraph or two and you realized it wasn't just that maybe you didn't understand what was being said, but that your mind was completely in a different place altogether. And you're just going through the motion. Do you ever find yourself praying and you all of a sudden are thinking through your grocery list? Or you fall asleep? Or you're thinking about that Netflix show that you want to watch? Or like, and you just, you totally just check out of it. And 
Listen, you're not alone. It's a struggle sometimes. We, we all go through it. Sometimes we all get caught up in all of the things of the faith and they can become a distraction instead of a director. And so uh, Omar is going to start leading us in this song in just a moment. And I just thought we could just take a few moments together to recalibrate and retune our hearts back to God. Especially in this season, because the truth is that I don't just want to be festive or intentional about Emmanuel in this season. I want to be intentional about Emmanuel, God with us in every season. You know, there's only one place that I've found that Jesus describes what eternal life is in the Gospels. And he doesn't talk about golden streets and mansions in the sky and playing golf for the rest of eternity. <laughs> In the beginning of John chapter 17, this is all Jesus says about eternal life. He says, God, would you allow them to know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, for this is eternal life. I know that typically we think about heaven as a location and maybe the things that it will have or not have and all of that, and you know what, I'm gonna leave all that business to God. I don't really personally care what's gonna be there, whether it's golden streets and crystal seas and mansions or not. It, honestly, it doesn't matter to me because I think that there's nothing greater and nothing more fulfilling than the unadulterated, complete presence of God. This is eternal life, that you would know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent in deep, personal, and intimate relationship for eternity.